Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ho, ho, ho. Ooh, what's this? It's in a very fancy envelope. Smells a bit like <clears throat> sulfur. Hmm. Well, let me see here. Ooh, this is written in a very nice crayon indeed. Okay. Dear Santa, I'm not a dear. That's Rudolph's job, silly. <laughs> I'm so funny. Sorry. Um, dear Santa... Please, for Christmas, can I please have MPs vote for my deal and for someone other than my weird, weird husband to have confidence in me for something, even if it's just my sharp and sexy moves. All the best, Teresa, aged 62. P.S. It's these presents or no presents or worse presents. Bloody hell, Teresa. I'm Santa, not a fucking miracle worker. Ho, 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 ho. And welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the podcast that usually laughs in the face of politics, but in the last few weeks has decided it's probably just best to emit a long, continuous high-pitched noise until it's all over and the sun explodes. This is episode 125, the last one before Christmas. I'm still Tin and Duyeb, and who'd have thought that after two years of insisting that we leave, it seems Prime Minister Theresa Krampus May just keeps remaining. What I want to know is, usually when a Conservative leader has confidence in someone or something, they resign or it collapses and they U-turn on it within days. So with all these no-confidence votes, are they actually just strengthening her? Like the UK's own Sisyphean curse, Theresa May is still Prime Minister and leader of the Conservative Party for now, after winning a no-confidence challenge, but not because anybody actually had confidence in her, more that they had even less confidence in anyone else. Imagine knowing you only got to keep your job because the other people applying for it was so awful that keeping you was damage limitation. I mean, do you want Theresa May, a Prime Minister whose main achievements in office generally include losing at things that no one else wanted but she insisted on doing, deporting people who had every right to stay in the UK, and dancing like malfunctioning silly string. So there's that, or someone like, say, dingy full of meat jelly, Boris Johnson. I mean, imagine him as Prime Minister. We'd be having Foreign Office officials trying to sort out trade deals by telling other countries' leaders, sorry our Prime Minister has never heard of you, but you aren't on his map from 1794, but he says he really likes your big smiles and would love to touch your hair. Give us free stuff or we'll invade. 
So, the European Research Group, or ERG, one of those rare groups whose acronym more aptly describes them than their full title, finally got 48 letters of no confidence in May and handed them into the 1922 committee, so-called because that's when they last updated their procedures. You'd think all May would need to do is get 52 letters of confidence in her favour and then that'd be the sort of resounding victory no one would ever be able to question without upsetting democracy. But instead there was a secret ballot, which I believe is when they all perform Swan Lake but no one's watching or something, and May had to race around beforehand making promises to get MPs on her side voting for her, including the promise that she won't run in the 2022 election, which is very clever because she specified the year there, so that does mean she'll either run in any snap elections before then or she's scrapping all elections and becoming our forever undying overlord in a horrific dystopian possibility that's somehow still better than Boris Johnson being Prime Minister for even a week. 200 Conservative MPs voted for May, but 117 voted against, averting a leadership challenge, but the Prime Minister does now know that just over a third of all Conservative MPs think she's shit. Now, normally that would be enough for a leader to resign, but in May's mind that's probably less than she'd thought we're going to, and no doubt she's handcuffed herself to number 10 anyway, and won't leave unless someone brings a saw and a lot of gusto. But Trees does now know for sure that her deal won't get enough votes in the Commons unless she makes some drastic changes, you know, like completely scrapping it and giving up and going away and dying. May is the absolute queen of the Pyrrhic victory to the extent that such a victory should really now be known as doing a Theresa, because even King Pyrrhus would have felt uncomfortable at her continuously losing wins. May went straight back to the EU after that vote to try and renegotiate her deal to make, well, anyone like it. While meeting German Chancellor and leader of the Mushroom Kingdom, Angela Merkel, she got locked in her car for an excruciatingly painful amount of time. Yes, there is nothing that Theresa May can't do that isn't a metaphor for Brexit and her career, as Europe patiently waited while May was trapped in a vehicle of her own choosing. I'm pretty certain the child's safety was still on. The EU, who are now probably super sick of May just popping in with ever fewer enticing offers, like a door-to-door salesperson whose supply is now down to just some cloth she's woven out of her own pubes, told her that there is absolutely no changing the deal anymore. They've already said it's the best one that she's going to get. Apparently, during her meeting with them, the Prime Minister tried to get legal assurances on the backstop, warning them about the deal not going through and using really class tactics like just saying Brexit is Brexit, like some sort of cry for help from a broken parrot. But President of the European Commission and gerbil that was magicked into a human by a curse, Jean-Claude Juncker, said there'd be clarifications but no renegotiation. Which is just a very odd way of saying we're definitely, definitely saying no, stop it, go away, please leave us alone, we have other shit to do. God, just so annoying. No, shush, go away. Footage showed May and Juncker arguing after the Prime Minister accused the EU President of calling her nebulous, whereas she said her plans were crystal clear. I'm sure, I mean, Brexit is Brexit isn't vague or uncertain at all, is it? Oh wait, by crystal clear did she mean they were so vacant of content they're basically see-through? It could also be that Juncker called May nebulous because she reminds him of the cyborg daughter of Thanos. Who knows? I honestly wonder, though, if they'd have given her some more leeway if May had just been a little bit more humble and promised to maybe change the name of our country to something more appropriate, like sort of okay at best Britain, or ideas above our station kingdom, or just, you know, uptight shit aisle. Several Conservative MPs still want May to resign because they don't respect the result of the vote and should get over it. Former Prime Ministers have been rising from the grave to chip in their 350 billions worth. Cheshire Cat with a wasting disease, Tony Blair, popped up like a bad smell to say that MPs might back a second referendum if none of the other options work, because, you know, Tony's always been a man who really values public opinions. May responded by telling Blair that he was an insult to the office he once held, though considering she's now in it, it's a bit like insulting that office's ex that left long ago and couldn't care less about it while it's now trapped in this seemingly endless one-sided, draining relationship with a year-round idiot. 
But while the words of one former Prime Minister aren't helpful to May, she has, for some reason, enlisted the help of another. Old Captain Spam himself, David Cameron, who is apparently advising May. I guess this means there's just every chance she's going to suddenly fuck off and leave everyone else to do it before buying an expensive shed and writing a shit book in it. Foreign Secretary and whiffling alpaca Jeremy Hunt insists Britain would flourish and prosper under a no-deal Brexit, but then he also said when he was Health Secretary that he was continuously improving the NHS as it was quite obviously falling apart. So there's every chance that his idea of Britain doing well, involving most of it being in the sea while the rest of us queue for six days to fight for a bean. Hunt says the UK have faced much bigger challenges in the past than a no-deal Brexit, and again I can only imagine he's talking about when he was Health Secretary and Boris Johnson did his job. Meanwhile, Work and Pensions Secretary and woman who definitely ID you if you had to collect a parcel from her, even though you live next door, Amber Rudd, has said that MPs need to forge a consensus to stop Brexit getting stuck. But I think they have forged a consensus, and that consensus is that May's deal is shit, and they don't want it. Number 10 are still insisting there's no other options other than May's deal, refusing to pander to the idea of extending Article 50 and saying a second referendum would mean politicians lose the trust of voters. What, by trusting them to vote? I mean, honestly, as if May's kept the trust of anyone up to now anyway. It's like a stand-up comedian worrying that if they swear, the audience won't like them after they've already driven two-thirds of the crowd away by being so unfunny some of them were violently sick. May keeps insisting that MPs must not let the perfect be the enemy of the good, which is an odd phrase to say when her deal is neither perfect or good, so it's not really relevant. What she should have said is, why not let perfect and good join forces to be the enemy of the really shit that no one likes? Labour were urged by the Lib Dems, SNP and others to push for a vote of no confidence in the government, but they originally said they were waiting for the right moment, either because they know May will be even weaker if her deal gets voted down in January, or maybe because over Christmas Labour MPs are being sent on searches for her seven horcruxes in order to make sure they can actually be destroyed. But Labour leader and St Fickleness, Jeremy Corbyn, was going to warn the Prime Minister that unless she set the date for a vote on her deal, he'd push for that big no-confidence challenge. Originally, all we knew was that the vote was going to be before January the 21st, which could have meant that it happened on that date, which would have been brilliant, as that's Blue Monday, the most depressing day of the year. Now, obviously, that claim has been dismissed by scientists as pseudoscience, but you never know, in 2019, with the help of this government, they could have really made it a strong reality for the first time ever. But May announced to Parliament today that the vote would be in the week of January the 14th, which would also be very appropriate, as that day is the medieval celebration of the Feast of the Ass. Then, after May announced that and Labour said they wouldn't table a vote of no confidence in May as Prime Minister, BAM! They did! They did one of those! They did one of that right in her. Not one of the no confidence votes in the government, just one of the no confidence votes in her, like she sort of had before, but from the other side. The only thing is, though, the government didn't agree to give time to a no confidence vote in May after Labour only tabled it because the Prime Minister hadn't given time to a vote on her deal. How did they see that one coming? So, number 10 said there's no way they're going to grant time for it because they said it's silly political games with absolutely no status under law. And to be fair, they would know, considering how much of their activities over the past year have fallen under those very categories. So, will Labour now push for a no-confidence vote in the government instead, which could lead to a general election, where everyone in the country can then show how little confidence they have in any of it, and then we end up with a coalition of the monster-raving loony party and the Wessex regionalists, and a Brexit that mainly involves us being part of some sort of custard union, with movement restricted only to people who can do a perfect devices accent. Who actually knows? But once again, there's every chance you're listening to this after it's all already happened and you're already all running round drinking bird's eye and saying cheers drive.
Meanwhile, travel to Europe for British citizens won't cost a visa, but it will now cost the very small fee of €7 every three years under the new European Travel Information Authorisation System document. Sure, €7 over three years doesn't sound much, but once the government's done with dropping the pound through all their crap negotiations, that'll be at least seven wheelbarrows of notes on your firstborn just to pop to the Costa del Sol. In France, protesters in yellow high-vis vests have taken to the streets across the country's cities for the fifth Saturday in a row to show solidarity with either the Beastie Boys or 90s Ravers. I'm not really sure which I haven't read enough. I mean, sorry, I mean, it started out as a protest about fuel prices, with many setting fire to things, which to me feels like a terrible waste of fuel considering. It's since become a protest in anger against many a French president and proud owner of the Knights Away Scout badge, Emmanuel Macron's economic plans and growing inequality. Seven people have died in protests so far, though I'm guessing in those vests it wasn't by crossing the road at night. And Macron has scrapped a fuel rise tax and promised tax cuts for pensioners and a rise in wage for minimum earners as a result. But it still doesn't really seem enough and he's going to have to change how he governs as Macron's ratings are now at just 23%, which is the sort of score his wife and former teacher would have had to call his parents in to talk about. Back in the UK, Labour MP and stunt double for Chris Evans, no, not the good one, the other, yeah, the shit one, Lloyd Russell Moyle caused chaos in the Commons after he protested against all the Brexit faffing by the government by seizing the ceremonial mace. Because, you know, we live in a modern society with a parliament to match. I mean, what about a five-foot silver gilt fancy stick being needed to pass laws because it represents the Queen? Doesn't say, hey, we're totally in 2018 right now. Next, you'll be telling me that MPs mustn't step on cracks in the floor in Parliament in case it breaks their mama's back. Okay, I'm being harsh because, let's face it, a ceremonial mace isn't the worst idea, but with all the recent harassment and bullying allegations in the Commons, maybe it should just be a can of the spray kind so at least it has some practical use. MPs have revealed their Christmas cards before the Commons goes to recess on the 20th. Corbyn's has a picture of his cat, El Gato, asleep by the fire, because what better message to send out for the Labour leader than a picture of a bewhiskered, white-haired creature dozing off while things are set alight all around him, and he does absolutely nothing to notice or stop them. Chancellor and collection of old tea leaves, Philip Hammond, featured his two hounds on his card, one of which is sitting on his open-budget red box, highlighting that everything within really is a load of old dog shit. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Theresa May asked children to design her cards, picking three winning designs, all in order to promote her favourite policies of bringing back child labour. Yeah, podchamps, how goes it? Are you feeling festive? Oh, yeah. I wasn't really until recently. I was generally just sort of feeling a bit grumpy about it all, like most years, because it's dark and miserable and wet and everything costs money. Uh, Several of my friends were sort of getting in touch to go, hey, we must see you before Christmas. And all I could think was, why? What's going to happen to me? What do you know about that I don't? That's creepy. But thanks to some very lovely festive gigs and a tree and that, I'm now in full-on Christmas mode and I'm prepared to eat myself into a coma, which, I have to say, as a type 1 insulin-dependent diabetic, isn't actually all that hard and doesn't require that much eating, just sort of more carelessness with my insulin. Um, I used to have to do all the really, really horrible comedy Christmas gigs, you know, when you're entertaining, like, works dudes who are only there because it's somewhere indoors that they can drink and then they spend the whole time generally full of animosity. They have to spend more time with people they've already spent too much time with for the past year. But the past few years, including this one, I've been very lucky enough to only do nice Christmas shows, uh, like a very fun one I did for the brilliant Johnny and the Baptists uh, on Sunday Night Just Gone, or Kids Gigs, where the audience are genuinely excited about Christmas. And that is lovely. And that does actually make you feel really festive all over again. It's very hard not to feel like that when children are handing in jokes to you that they've written, special Christmas jokes that they've come up with themselves, such as, and I quote from this weekend in Birmingham, what did Rudolph want for Christmas? 
A poo. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Well done. Well done, Birmingham children. I really hope that's got you all in the festive mood as well. Um, so, look, this is the last uh, Partly Political Broadcast podcast of the year because I'm in need of checking out for a few weeks. And let's face it, nothing exciting is going to happen till the new year now anyway, is it? Oh, God, I've so jinxed that, haven't I? I've totally jinxed. This is going to be out of date five minutes after I release it again. I mean, I've already had to add bits just after I thought I'd finished this week because of Labour's no-confidence vote in May. Thanks, guys. Can't you just take a break? I mean, grrr, at them, but also, yay, no-confidence vote in May again, but also, grrr, because it hasn't really gone through and I had to wait till... Jeez, it's just endless, and it's just endless. It's amazing, because as a person, I really want May and the Tories out, and I want all these things to happen so they can go, but as a comedian... I will lose so much material if they do. It's hard, isn't it? Plus, I just get annoyed of having to add extra bits. Tough life, eh? Tough life. Priorities. Okay. anyway, look, But in theory, this is the last podcast of the year, last proper one, before it likely returns on January the 14th. But I know that podcasts are a comfort to some over the holidays, as it can be a fun time or a glum time, depending on your situation. So I'm going to be putting some bonus bits and bobs out to keep your ears company. Uh, Whether that just helps you pass the time or maybe to ignore crappy relatives. So um, make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you do that because um, I'm just I'm not really going to be advertising them. I'm unlikely to tweet as I'm probably going to be spending most of my time trying to make sure that my daughter doesn't eat the Christmas tree. She has been trying. She's been trying and failing. Um, she's still going to keep trying. I've got several weeks of this left. Uh, anyway, as it's Christmas, I would usually bang on about donations to this podcast via patreon.com forward slash parpolbro for a monthly thing or ko-fi, ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro. And thank you very much to Matthew, Annie, Jenny and Ruby for all your donations over the past week those coffees were seriously needed actually thanks for that um but look while donations are always welcome i'm fully aware as well that uh, i feel quite shitty asking for them just before christmas when there are far more worthy causes so rather than buy me a coffee this week um take some food to a food bank uh buy a homeless person a coffee donate to crisis uh places that really really need it and hey let me know online about other local worthwhile causes as well and i'll happily tweet and facebook them to uh, to promote them to other people to get them to donate obviously if you can do that and buy me a coffee i'm not going to complain um what i will ask though is that you do give this show a review because hey you're gonna have loads of days to do it and look doctor who isn't even on on christmas day so what else are you gonna be doing nothing probably so just pop a few nice words and a five stars on your favorite pod apps or maybe just inside christmas crackers and watch the joyous confusion as friends and family pop on a paper hat and then read out awful jokes and weird irrelevant crap about diabetic comas one star from a small bit of paper but you know hey reviews are always appreciated as is the spreading of the word of this goddamn show right a um, couple of things to mention before we go on a christmas break um one is that i did a podcast that isn't this one <gasps> i know what um i'm on the very fun sitcom geeks podcast hosted by brilliant comedy writers dave cohen and james carey and i spoke to them well actually i spoke to just dave um all about surviving as a comedian so if that sounds even remotely interesting to you uh, then do check out episode 99 of sitcom geeks for that um in other podcasts that i'm not on news um except i was on that one but i'm not on this one uh, my brother who does all the beats for this show um his podcast thanks for trying is excellent all of the time and i say that even as an older brother i should hate everything he does but i genuinely enjoy it um but on christmas eve he's releasing a special thanks for trying podcast with an incredibly special guest who i can't tell you about but look if you're a marvel fan or you're just a really good beautiful um like kind of touching comedy films fan i think it's 
probably the best way to describe what this guy does. Um, you might well be very interested in it, so do check that out. It's going to be... I've had a sneak preview listen of it, and it, it's properly brilliant. Um, this week's show is slightly more coherent than last week's, but again, there's not much that's actually happened with Brexit. So instead of a Brexit fallout section, which was last week's entire screaming, wailing, not proper show, this week I'm interviewing my pal Tatton Spiller from Simple Politics, who just breaks it all down step by step, and then has a nice theory about Steve Jobs' effect on politics, and then we contemplate authority. Merry Christmas! Sounds fun? Yes, it is. Also, uh, there's also a little bit about the workplace reforms because Christmas! But let's crack straight on with the interview this week, get this in your lug holes and listen to it while you're munching a mince pie and ignore whatever your racist uncle is saying. One way to sum up the past couple of weeks of politics news is to say that lots has happened, but nothing has also actually happened. If running on the spot was an Olympic sport, the Conservatives wouldn't enter, as they'd be too busy complaining that some people in their party didn't believe enough that they could travel while doing it, and so had ruined it, while others insisted their previous position of sitting still was far, far better. But while the tendency to say, Oh, sod this, I'm so sick of Brexit, I'd prefer to watch the Mrs Brown's Boys Christmas special while pulling out my own teeth with a mini pair of pliers I got in a Christmas cracker, because, let's face it, that's the only thing they can be for after reading those shit jokes. It is good to know just what is going on before we all delve into hibernation mode for a couple of weeks before resurfacing as Parliament emerges all fresh-faced, only to fly headfirst into a heap of fan-flung shit. When I want to know things, where do I go? Well, first I go to the internet, and when that mostly just tells me I have some sort of terrible disease, despite what I type in, then I head to a specific website, which is simplepolitics.co.uk, a fantastic site that actually breaks down where a bill is, what that bill is doing, how much that bill is, who ordered the margaritas, uh, and what's Bill Oddie up to, because you've always got to be aware. What if he's behind you? Terrifying. Okay, not the last couple of bits, just the first couple of bits. Tatton Spiller is the creator of Simple Politics and informs adults and children all about politics, including, this is probably amazing, he goes into primary schools and explains Brexit to kids. Yes, he can actually do that. Yes, I wish politicians would listen to him as well so they knew what it was about too. Um, Tatton is a pal of mine and we've been touring our kids' politics show How Does This Politics Thing Work Then? Um, all around the country for the past year and Tatton does all the clever breaking down of how democracy works and actually explains it to kids 6+, plus. and then I mainly show children stupid cat pictures because it's to know your strengths. So, after a confusing few weeks, nay months, nay years, I thought that we could end this year on this podcast with some simple politics explaining from him. So, here we are. I laugh like an idiot throughout this interview. It's Christmas. I was probably drunk. You just have to be it's drunk all the time because it's Christmas, isn't it? And then, New Year's, you probably should be drunk again. And then January, miserable. May as well drink through it. Keep drinking. Suddenly spring. Yay, the sun's back. Hooray. And then uh, keep drinking to celebrate that. Summer, you can drink outside, so you may as well suddenly winter again, drinking. Anyway, so look, uh, I laugh all the way through this um, because it was fun and it's my mate. Uh, and uh, this... Starts very serious, but it gets progressively sillier towards the end because Christmas. So I hope you enjoy. Um, oh, and of course, this was done last Friday before we knew about Labour's no confidence vote tabling this week that then isn't going to happen this week because I swear everyone is just out to ruin this show. Anyway, here is Tatum. Tatton, I got your email. I love your civil politics emails. I get them every week. Uh, I use them for information and reassurance of what is going on. Um, your email arrived this morning, uh, recording this on a Friday, and um, and and it was just an apology um, for you <laughs> saying that you nothing that you thought was happening was, was happening. Um, so what is? I mean, I I feel like this could you could give a f- sort of three hour answer for this, but Tatton, what is going on? What's going on? Well, so basically, right, on June 23rd, 2016, 
some people had a vote. <laughs> and uh, that said, we're going to Brexit. And then there was an election. And then, and then we tried to do some negotiation. And the problem is nobody agrees with anybody on anything about Brexit. Uh, there are everyone, everyone you meet in the street, everyone, all the MPs, they all have they, they all have a very different idea of what we should be doing. And um, in the last ten days, it's just become really clear that that Theresa May's deal, which has been negotiated hard, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears got into that, um, isn't isn't going to pass Parliament. And so she pulled the deal, and then. Everyone went. Oh, this is you know, this is terrible. And the, and the Conservatives put forward a vote of no confidence, and she won that. So that doesn't like it was great timing from the people that wanted to get rid of her. And then people are saying, "Hey, Jay Corbs, you're going to do some kind of confidence thing?" And he's like, "Well, probably not, because we'd lose it right now. So I'm going to wait for a bit." And then just just uh, yes, last night and this morning, we're hearing about Theresa May being in Brussels, going, "Come on, team, let's give me something, give me something." And they're going, "No, no, Theresa, we're not going to give you anything at all." So she's got to come back on Monday, and she's going to tell the Commons. Um, I don't know what she's going to tell the Commons because it's not great to tell the Commons. Hey, MPs, uh, I didn't get the thing. How'd you like them apples? Um, she needs just one thing, just one assurance or one cosmetic change that she can bring back and go. Well, uh, you said I couldn't do anything, and here is this. I bought these lovely shoes while I was in Brussels. And they're nice. Um, <laughs> she needs. She needs something to 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 get in her statement on Monday, um, and then, and then the good news is we can all like it's Christmas time. No, there's nothing in the Commons apart from possibly her statement on Monday. There is nothing in the Commons next week. Um, it's just all nothing, nothing, and so everyone's going to go home. They're going to have some turkey or tofurkey as vegans might enjoy more and uh, plot and discuss what to do when they come back on the 7th of January and when we come back on the 7th of January there's two weeks in which we will have another vote on this deal or an actual vote on this deal and maybe lots more days of debate about it we shall see that was that was really well done this is why you can go into schools and talk to kids about politics that was the clearest explanation I've heard in some time um so look, let's let's break that up a little bit. Um, firstly, uh, Theresa May. It was amazing the no confidence vote on Wednesday, which was both exciting and hugely unexciting all at once. In that, ultimately, nothing happened. It just took a sort of day for nothing to happen, and all of the news coverage. Um, but is so is Theresa May's position now? She's safe for a year. Is that right? They can't do another uh, no confidence vote against her for a year. Is that right? Yes, they can't do another no-confidence deal against her. But if all... I mean, there's 117 of her MPs. She's got 317. And 117 of them voted against her. You've got to assume most of those are going to vote against the deal that she brings. Because that's pretty much the reason they want rid of her, isn't it? So most of those will vote against the deal. And if she cannot get that deal through, 
there may not be a sophisticated 48 letters and then a meeting of the 922 and then committee room 14 will be open between 6 and 8 for people to have a secret ballot. I mean, that, that, that can't happen again for another year. But if, maybe even when, she loses that vote, there will be quite a lot of pressure on her to, to step aside. Because I saw, um, I think it was Laura Kunzberg uh, for the BBC was tweeting about how uh, I think Cameron's team had said that if he'd lost the referendum uh, vote and obviously and if he hadn't immediately resigned after that, um, you know, that, that they'd have a no confidence vote. And his thing was if he'd got 60 votes against him, he would have resigned on the basis that he didn't have enough power in the party. So 117 is a lot more than 60. That's a considerable amount of your own party that, that don't like you. It's, it's doubly considerably more when you think about the number of Conservative MPs who are inside the government. So about 150 are on the payroll of the government. So assuming, I mean, if it, was a, if it wasn't a secret ballot, they would all have to vote for Theresa May or resign from the government. But assuming that most of those in the government voted for the government and for her, that's a really, I mean, it's a roughly only 50 votes for her and 117 votes against it one of the things though she's she's clung on constantly for the last you know there's been several points since she became prime minister where everyone said she has to go now she has to go she hasn't managed this she has to go you know the snap election various points of the the brexit thing and now she's saying that she will go before the next election but she's very cleverly said in 2022 so if there's a snap election before that i guess that means she's still around i mean are we just is she just there forever <laughs> is, that, is this it um Theresa May is clearly someone who quite likes being in power. She has time and time again kicked cans down the road rather than forcing a confrontation now. And that's what she's done once again with the with the with the EU vote. She is very unlikely to go anywhere unless she is given quite a sharp push. I mean, yes, she said, she said, no, I'm biased. I'm still, I, I, I probably won't lead you into the 2022 general election. Um, that's four years away, three years away. Um, you know, at, like, she would have been in place for quite a long time by then. Um, so is she going to get get given the boot? Mm, I don't. I mean, she might be. I mean, I, in a year's time, they they will have another chance of that clear procedure. I mean, but if she loses, if she loses this vote in January and cannot get her deal through, I think it's really hard for her to stay in power. So, in which case, I, don't want, I want to come to the EU, EU deal in a minute, but the if uh, part of me worry or wonders if some of the part of the reason why she hasn't gone is i i know that there's certain contenders up for the conservative leadership but who would want to take this job now when it means that they'd have to deal with everything that she's dealing with that's got to be quite a tricky position and and, and the candidates that are left are either really hard brexiteers or really hard remainers aren't they so uh, what a lot of people were talking about have been talking about for months now is having an interim leader step up for Brexit and then so quickly getting and you know people like David Davis have been have been named or Michael Gove have been named as people who are, who are staunch Brexiteers can be in charge for Brexit because we haven't got time for a full leadership now and then will step down in March or March the 30th or in April next year 
to, and then there'll be a full and proper leadership co- contest. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's the only that's the only way I could see it really working because you're right. Anyone else, like you know, Boris Johnson, he's, he's always on manoeuvres famously, um, and he's still currently the bookies' favourite. He, I don't think he would want to take over now. He would want a much more, much cleaner start. But the idea of an interim leader to guide our country through these tumultuous times might go down a bit better. But uh, sort of democratically, how does that work? Because when May got in, obviously there didn't, need, there wasn't an immediate election when we had a new prime minister. But then she sort of had to have a snap election to get her mandate to sort of lead us into Brexit. If we have an interim leader, you sort of say to the public, "Hey, we've got." Any old person for just just for a couple of months in charge. Well, We're not no, going to ask. Does that cause problems? You know? No, there's no. I mean, there's no problems. Theresa May didn't have to call that election. She 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 made her, that decision to call that election, and she made it because she thought there was an open goal in the Labour Party, and she didn't have a huge majority. What was it, fifteen or so? Um, and she was like, "Well, I need more than this," so she called the election because she thought she was going to do better and it turns out you can't you know take anything for granted and Jeremy Corbyn you know did ran, ran his campaign that clearly worked quite well and she also ran the worst of all possible campaigns which is why she lost seats so it, there is nothing in the rules that says the Conservative Party have to consult the public over their new leader so we could just get absolutely anyone with no say in it whatsoever, well, and, then, no, and then that's no, how Tiernan, Brexit goes ahead. Saying, and, yeah, it's not with no say whatsoever, Tiernan. Last election, the Conservatives won the election. Everyone voted for, well, more people voted to have a Conservative MP. More constituencies voted to have Conservative MP than anybody else, and that MP, those MPs representing their constituencies can choose who the leader is that's not undemocratic that's totally democratic sure but it, i mean well uh, in in the absolute face value of what an election is sure but don't most you know whether it's the correct way or not a lot of people do vote for parties based on the leader now but we we don't have well maybe our electoral system hasn't kept up with changes the way people vote but when you go into that ballot ballot when you go into that polling station it's the name of your local candidate that you are voting for. And I think saying that they can't choose who their leader should be, I think it's slightly odd. Sure. Is it electoral responsibility, people? That's what we have to, <laughs> that's what you have to take from this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like our country, our country voted for Conservative government. Yeah, the Conservatives had 13.6 million votes and the Labour Party had 12.9 million votes. Um, you know, so the, the, our electoral system works that the party with the most votes and most seats almost always forms the government, and they did that with the, with the DUP. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's undemocratic for the Conservatives to change leader. That's all. Sure, sure. Okay, so um, want to just go to the, the 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 deal, the deal that May's got that no one likes, and 
uh, my understanding is primarily is the backstop is the biggest problem. Um, Brexiteers don't want a backstop because it means we could be trapped in the EU forever, supposedly. Remainers don't want a backstop because it means we have to leave the EU <laughs> in the first place. Is there, I mean, if if we don't, if, if May's deal is voted down, what other possibilities are there? Is it just no deal or no Brexit? Is that it? The, the, the real answer here, Tim, is that nobody knows anything. Um, almost anything could happen. If Theresa May's deal is voted down, she has to come back with another statement at some point. At that stage, though, I would be amazed if Labour didn't, didn't put in a vote of confidence in the government. Because this Theresa May's premiership has all been about Brexit. Everything, everything, everything. All, all the um, burning injustices you spoke about wanting to have. All of that stuff in the bin. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. And that's one reason why she's so keen to stay on until 2021, maybe, or whenever. It's because she wants to have the opportunity to do the things that she's always wanted to do as Prime Minister, rather than dealing with bloody Brexit the whole time. So, the vote goes through, the vote fails, the next day, there's a no-confidence vote. Um... And how does that work? Just you take it through a no confidence yes. vote in the government. So that, that is yes. so it's very different. To the yes, one that so we that's just had Conservative in MPs not having confidence in their leader, and this would be Parliament not having confidence in the government. So the leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, would say, "We don't have, oh, we don't think you're a very good government, and we would like you to go away, please." And they need a simple majority to make that happen. So about three hundred twenty votes. Um, there are. 260-odd Labour votes out there. There's about 35 SNP votes, 12 Liberal Democrats and all the rest of it. So in order to get that through, they either need the DUP to say, well, yeah, Theresa May talks a good game, but she abandoned us when we needed her uh, and this backstop. So we're going to vote with the opposition. Or only six or seven Conservative MPs to say actually I think this government's run its course, we need to change so the only way they can win is either with with votes from the DUP or some votes a few votes from the Conservative Party if that happens then then the government has two weeks, 14 days to change things up, to shake things around a little bit and come back and see, and there'll be another vote of no confidence, or, or this time a vote of confidence, with the government saying you didn't like us before, but now we're just a bit more David Davisy. Will you? Will you? Will you, how about it? How about it, people? <laughs> I hope that's a tagline. Um, <laughs> we're a bit more David no. Davisy. Come, 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 come and get, get your it. David Davis. Um, and <laughs> at that point, Parliament votes again. And what it comes down to is, I mean, let's imagine that David Davis is put in as his interim leader. I, mean, I don't know if that would, is actually what would happen, but let's imagine that David Davis was there and he tells the DUP that he's, he's got their back. So the DUP could, at that point, change their mind and go, OK, we are going to vote with the government now. In which case, we're, we are back on, back on the normal tra- the train we were on before. 
And presumably, if they have won that second vote, they have put things in place that means they would have enough votes to get through the amended deal in whatever way it's been amended. If, however, after those two weeks, there isn't the votes for the new government, then there is a general election. Um, I would say, because the other, the other thing is a second referendum, a people's vote, as people like to say, or a loser's vote, as, uh, as some who disagree with the people's vote like to call it, or a politician's vote. Um, there's, there's lots of... There's lots of nomenclative How is battles it a politician's going on. Vote? That one, uh... It's a politician's vote because the because the people have had their say. Oh, but I the see. politicians are the ones who are pushing for something else. Right. Sure. So that's that. That's why it's a politician's vote. Or um, yeah. I mean, Nigel Farage is a big fan of the loser's vote. Um, of course he is. Yeah. Because because he lives in the world where people still use the word loser as an insult. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think and I'm very wary of giving my opinion on things I can yeah, I can explain what's going on but it turns out my, my, my predictions are useless but I think that Theresa May's the biggest change that happened when Theresa May won the vote of confidence this week is that it was a big blow to the second referendum campaign because the second referendum is the thing that Theresa May has been most violently against. She hates the idea. She said she would never do it. She taunts Jeremy Corbyn at Prime Minister's Question Time saying, you would happily have a second referendum. So, and the only way to have a second referendum is if the Prime Minister says we're going to have a second referendum. It's the only way to do it. Parliament can't force a second referendum. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, it would, there would, for her to U-turn that badly on the second referendum would be, well, it would be a massive, massive, massive change. Um I mean, isn't you know, there the issue with second referendum anyway? I mean, one of the things that I've been concerned about with it is that I don't know when 
you'd fit it in unless unless Article 50 was extended. Oh, yeah, uh, there's no you know, way. There's no way we could fit that in. And and I that mean, then comes down to, you know, if there was, if, if, if there was a vote of no confidence in the government and they, and they you know, didn't go in their f- uh, favour and say they didn't vote for the new interim leader and then it went to a general election, how have we got time for any of this? How is there time to fit any of this in? Unless article, unless the vote passes in January, Article Fifty has to be, has to be, I wouldn't, almost has to be uh, suspended, um, extended. Like there's no, yeah, there's no time for general election. There's no time for second referendum. There's hardly even any time for Parliament to have the kind of debate they need to have. Because I mean, let's not forget March twenty ninth. I mean, I know it's still, we're all thinking about Christmas now, but very soon it will be January. And when it's January, March isn't far away. Um, the the t- timing is incredibly tight, and all of the op- almost all of these options require uh, an extension to Article Fifty. The only thing that doesn't, if this, I mean, if the vote passes, which I just can't see happening, but you never know. Theresa May is is going to be out there making deals with people, so who knows? But if the vote doesn't pass, so sorry, excuse me. If the vote does pass, then March twenty ninth is on. We will pass the legislation through because don't forget, we've not only have we got the meaningful vote, there will then have to be the withdrawal agreement bill going through Parliament. There will need to win votes at the second st- second reading, win votes at committee stage, win votes at report stage, win votes at third reading, and then go to the Lords. And the Lords, they hate Brexit. They really hate Brexit in the House of Lords, but this piece of legislation has got to get through the Lords as well. So, it's not just a question of this, question of this one vote, and there's various other pieces of, of, of legislation that, if we're leaving on 29th of March, we need to get a move on making. Um, so, the vote passes, 29th of March is on, assuming the bill passes as well. The vote doesn't pass, the only way 29th of March is on is no deal. Um, there's no, there's not time from between the 21st of January and the 29th of March to conjure up something else, whether it's an, an election or renegotiation or second referendum, or whatever. There is not time, so it will have to be extended. Don't forget, though, it's written into our statute book. It's, it's part of the UK law that we leave on 29th of March. So Parliament would have to ha- have a vote to change that statute law and take the 29th of March out again um, which presumably would pass if the if there was enough to say we didn't want the original deal presumably that would happen but I think the, the other thing to say is that very few people a lot of people talk about no deal as just being the easiest and best thing to do but very few people are mean actually a no deal because this, this thing called a managed no deal which is lots of side little deals. So, we, you know, nobody wants to start rounding up our neighbours, our colleagues, and our friends who are from Europe on the thirtieth of March. We don't. We don't, No one wants to be have these immigration vans look finding anyone from, from from Europe and sending them home. So it'd have to be a side deal done on EU and UK citizens. There would have to be some kind... I would imagine that there would be some kind of deal where we could maybe still have a transition. 
until 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 the twenty first, because the transition keeps keeps that border open in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland uh, for now. So no deal. I mean, yeah, and then you know we'd do a deal so we could fly our aeroplanes over EU airspace. You know, there would be a series of mini deals in a no deal circumstance. No, I mean, because, yeah, like you said, it's in no one's interest for sort of the, the worst case no deal scenarios to go. Th- that's not going to benefit any MPs. It's not going to help if if where no. you are is, is a car park in Kent. Is it, it's not, you know, like it's a, I, no, can't, I can't imagine uh, that, that, uh, that there's any MPs that genuinely want that. And it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be good for them in the, uh, you know I can't imagine for their electoral future to let that go through that, that people would forgive well, them well I mean for people have oh, people have funny ideas <laughs> of their electoral future don't they you know but then because we, well, we were talking about elections earlier weren't we some seats are just always going to be conservative always some seats are always going to be Labour you know South Wales are never going to vote conservative like it's just not not going to happen, and um, I went to a wedding recently in Surrey, Surrey County Hall, and it had all the um, and they had those boards, you know, like 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 fancy sports clubs have where they have names written on the walls of who's done what, and they had a board of all the MPs kind of they've ever had, and it was all conservative, <laughs> like like all all of it, 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 um, yeah, so. So some MPs are relatively free from the idea of electoral damage. They can just be their own ideological person. I mean, Boris Johnson is not going to lose in Uxbridge. Ever? I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know, he had slightly wavering support last time, didn't he? I thought it, he lost uh, lost his massive majority. Did he? Well, I mean, I, well... <laughs> maybe, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm putting that out there now, I'm not... I'm not googling listeners. I, I could I could have checked that, but it's uh, I seem to remember it being at least uh, not as good as it was for him. <laughs> and we'll be back with Tatton in a minute. But first, workplace reforms could be the name of a really crap changing room spin-off. You know, you leave your office for lunch, some haphazard daytime TV presenters pop in, and hey hey, you now have a ball pit instead of a seat, and your computer is currently being weed on by a four year old. Instead, it's actually something that a lot of workplaces need in terms of workers' rights, working conditions, and getting rid of that one person in the office who always eats really smelly food at lunch. Stop it, Carol. It smells like you're microwaving dead sanitation workers. This week, the government have introduced a whole load of new legislation that they say will protect workers on zero-hour contracts or gig economy employees. And this legislation does that by doing things like closing a loophole that allowed agency workers to be paid less than permanent workers. And it gives workers the right to request more predictable hours. That's predictable hours as in hours that you will have booked in advance and along more regular timetables, rather than, you know, where you can guess exactly what you'll be doing and then take bets on it. But it's still only the right to request predictable hours, not the right to have them. So ultimately, it means you can say to your boss, hey, Steve, it's always a Steve, can I work some normal hours next week? And Steve can still say no before eating what smells like someone has reheated a muddy tyre. The legislation is from a report called the Good Work Plan because, I mean, they obviously didn't think about the name all that much. And there are lots and lots of bits of this legislation that are good, or at least a move in the right direction. Like, as I said earlier, scrapping the agency worker loophole about pay, or increasing the maximum fine employers will face at tribunals from five grand to twenty grand, or providing workers with a statement of rights when they start, showing them their leave entitlements for maternity, paternity, sick pay or holiday. Yes, telling workers what they're entitled to is very helpful, rather than just sort of springing it on them one day that, oh, you don't have maternity pay, but if you want to 
force the baby out in the print room during a lunch hour, you can use one of the paper bins. But as the Trade Union Congress and Labour have both pointed out, these reforms really aren't far enough. Allowing workers to see what their entitlements are is great, but again, it doesn't stop those entitlements being terrible. Really, if you're stuck in a zero-hours job, none of this good work plan is going to reform your workplace very much. Zero-hours contracts jobs rose from 1.6 million in 2016 to 1.7 million in 2017. And while the government have insisted that wage growth is at its highest in a decade, that's only if you don't count for inflation, which, you know, affects everything you might actually spend your wages on. So actually, it's only the highest it's been in two years, which means it's still lower than it was over a decade ago. It's the same way that you count as employed if you've done even just one hour of work in a week. So when the government claims that more people are in work with rising wages and new legislation that gives them rights, what that could mean is that you've done one hour's work on less money than it would have been in 2007, and if you're lucky, your boss will show you how you only get 10 minutes sick pay per year because you'll definitely still be able to deliver pizzas when you have the norovirus. So, good, but not great, a beginning towards better work rights, but one that the government will likely use to just not bother doing any more for ages. If anything, they could do with workplace reform, so MPs only get called in when needed and paid by the hour and see how it feels like. Or, even better, going back to my other idea, maybe when they're all away over on their Christmas recess, Nick Knowles and Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen and that one with the glasses and the hair could all just pop by the Palace of Westminster and replace all the fittings with slightly wobbly, ill-made things and replace the floor with an ice rink and windows that are always slightly open and then we'll see how ministers like feeling unsecure at work. And now, back to Tatton. So, look, listen, so, I mean, obviously, look, who knows what's happening? It's this uh, sheer joy of working in uh, the political sphere. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, I was going to ask you a couple of things. But one of them was I was going to ask you, how, how are you coping? Is it, <laughs> is it hard running a website where you, you know, one of the wonderful things about Simple Politics, it's such a useful website and, and useful newsletter and podcast and everything, but you clearly explain things to people, and, and as you have done in this chat. I mean, have you found the last couple of weeks <laughs> just impossible? <sighs> No, no. I mean, it's been kind of fun. It's, it's just, it's frustrating. I was frustrated when the vote was pulled because it's frustrating because because we've had so many instances of the can being kicked down the road, um, and lots of platitudes, and then and then it's like right now now's the actual time for people to put the pedal to the metal and go and go and and we didn't we, we, and we didn't and that was annoying and I the thing I like I like politics best when it's being debated openly and honestly and I think that at the moment there's lots of deals being done in back rooms and there's lots of scheming and so you don't see the real politics everything's been predetermined before they go into the commons um i'm what really what really fascinates me is is clashes of ideology is when people disagree over how to deal with stuff because they just have a slightly different vision for the country um and that their methods are different and that's i love that but at the moment, there's so many power games and, you know, secret handshakes and all the rest of it. It, it, it feels very frustrating. WhatsApp groups. What's isn't that? It? It's, the, it's all the WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups. groups. WhatsApp has been a terrible thing. Yeah. For the government. And, yeah. And, or, or, you know, you can tell it's bad because all of the political correspondents on the news were like, well, a senior minister told me this on a senior bank. But it's like, it, just, it just feels, um, what's the word? If it, it, it feels the opposite of transparent, um, brick-like, a brick's not very transparent. 
smoke and mirrors yeah it's all smoke and mirrors it's um i mean i was i was talking something the other day where uh, uh, i was talking about the the contempt of uh, government being found in contempt of parliament and i said that the fact that they had been found in contempt was both a really sad uh, thing for our democracy but at the same time it shows that our democracy in parliament works for them to be able to be found in contempt surely shows that the system is still working or is that was i wrong <laughs> i mean it's still working if by you mean working they were found in contempt and then nothing happened to them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's not great, actually. No, not... When you put it like that, yeah. <laughs> yes, we have been very naughty. I'm very sorry. Have we been very naughty? Yes. Although, so they, they should they have all been then... put in the clock tower. Is that what we, we well, should I have mean, hoped I don't know. I don't know what we should have done. I just, it, just, it just all felt... We've won this contempt of Parliament motion. So? Like... Politics is about, and you know, Tian, you and I do a family show, and I say this every time as a family, we, 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 we stand up in front of an audience. Every, what politics is, is different ways of solving the problems our country has. So right now, we have children in school get, who, 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 when the Christmas holiday starts next week, will be hungry. We have children who will get no presents. Um, we have people who will be cold. I mean, it's really cold the day we're recording this. The, these games going on between the political parties don't help our country. They don't help solve those problems. And I, I hate it. I hate it. You know, oh, they were in contempt and then they did publish the legal advice. And all of this is just... Why not be open? Why not? Why not have more, more proper debate about the things that matter? And Brexit is something that matters because it will change people's lives. And I do understand that everyone who ha thinks their Brexit will be better for everyone. So, so I'm not anti-Brexit debate. It's just these political gaming shenanigans. And you know, so so Labour did find them in contempt. And then there was lots of chat about why did Theresa May allow that to happen? And people and there was ideas. Well, maybe she purposefully allowed them got them to lose the, the, that vote to show her Brexiteer people that, that the Conservative Party isn't, is in danger if they don't come back and support her and, and you kind of, it's all of this, like you say smoke and mirrors that, that stops open, honest and transparent debate do you think in a way that, um, you know, regardless of let's let's not pretend we're going to know how Brexit is going to go, but Brexit as a thing, do you think it might lead to a, a parliament being different? Because, I mean, we're seeing huge divisions in parties that have been solid for a very long time. You know, Labour's opposed to it themselves and the Tories are splitting apart and, and parliament as, as a building is having to be repaired and they're going to have to move somewhere else at some point. Do you, do you think this might provide an opportunity for things to happen differently or be modernised or be updated so that someone can't just steal a mace and everything fall apart? You know? <laughs> oh, but I mean, that stealing the mace thing, again, it's, oh, it's very important. It's very important look he's stolen the mace everyone look at that and then the, what, what do the public think about that what what's it it doesn't i mean you know i worked at parliament for years and so yeah i, I can oh yes i can see that's very significant but uh, uh, what's it what does it achieve 
What does it actually achieve? Um, sorry, th- that was a rant, and I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's 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 really lovely hearing you, right? Having worked with you so much, and you're so good at being uh, non-partisan that um, uh, hearing you have the same feelings as all of us is very nicely. Uh, it, it, I think I think that's how we all feel right now. I, I generally, everyone I speak to is just going, "What is going on? This is nonsense." These feelings. I'm not. I'm not being partisan here. I'm not saying that anyone's side. Sure is to blame for these things it's just it's just the level of debate that we've got to with these games um and again i'm sure you had a question i can't yeah it was just it was just i just wondered if you thought whether um whether whether there's now an opportunity for parliament to be modernized well the conservative party have been split by brexit for decades They've been torn ever since we went in joined the eec or whatever it was at that point this conservative party being pulled apart by, by the whole Europe thing. The Labour Party have huge issues. You know, we talk about 117 people voting against um, Theresa May this week. Like 200 of the Labour Party MPs voted against Corbyn when they had the opportunity. We've got... So the Labour Party are completely split. The Conservative Party are completely split. The SNP are losing... losing numbers of MPs to the Conservatives in Scotland. The Liberal Democrat, I mean, who, 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 who knows what the Liberal Democrats are up to these days? They have 12 MPs. Um, there are some real, really big questions. And this world that, in which we live, which is all about social media, means that, that, that we don't... Do you know what I blame, Tiernan? <laughs> I I blame Steve Jobs. Do you? Oh wow! Yes. I wasn't expecting his name then. I, I'm I'm surprised. Back in the day, Tiernan, we used to listen to albums, right? Mm. And you'd say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this before before we started recording." We're talking about DJ Shadow. I'm gonna buy this DJ Shadow album. I'm gonna listen to the DJ Shadow album. That's what I'm gonna do for the next forty three minutes or whatever it is. And um, and at that point, because you would buy albums and you would talk to people, and people might say to you, "Hey, Tin, and what what kind of music do you like?" And you could say, "Oh, I mostly listen to hip hop or whatever it is." And then Steve Jobs, with his iPod, he he destroyed it because no one's everyone stopped listening to genres of music no one no one asks you anymore hey what kind of music do you like because everyone likes a bit of everything because you've got your spotify or, or i mean it's itunes we're blaming steve jobs here uh you've got your itunes and your ipod and it's all on shuffle and everyone listens to single songs and on the internet everyone just says single issues very few people i mean i know labor party membership is absolutely soared but generally fewer people are relating themselves to specific parties lots of people are voting for different parties different things because that's because people are much more interested in single issue and you can mix and mix and match and you can play 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 your policy selection on random rather than sticking to one clear ideology and that tin is why this is all steve jobs is for <laughs> Oh wow! No amount of Apple fixes and iOS fixes will will save this. This is upsetting. Um, so I guess yeah, the future then either lends itself to more coalitions or perhaps looking at citizens' juries or something that because something has to adapt to this. Otherwise, we're stuck in this 
I don't. I, well, I mean, I don't think it's it's it, it's. There's a lot of turkeys voting for Christmas on this. Neither main party are really likely to um, have have on their agenda have electoral reform on their agenda. You know, sure. Um, the, the I mean, it's absolutely it's a, people who are big, big fans of electoral reform. Um, you know, six hundred thousand people voted UKIP in uh, the last in the last general election, and they got no MPs. Six hundred thousand people voting for one party with no MPs. The Green Party got five hundred twenty-six thousand, and they have one MP. The Scottish National Party had under a million nine hundred seventy-seven thousand, and have thirty-five MPs. So, with under double. UKIP's vote, they've got 35 MPs, and UKIP had none. So there is a genuine argument to be made for proportional representation. But equally, our current system has that close link between between the people and their MP. Everyone knows who their MP is. There's free and fair elections in 650 different constituencies. And the Conservative Party and Labour Party do quite well out of it. So they're not they're not going it's just not on their agenda. So, uh, so here we are then. <laughs> well, I tell you. So, it, well, look. One thing that I'm hoping you can reassure everyone on. Um, you've been, and I have to say, you've been very good at reassuring us throughout. Oh, uh, uh, just uh, yeah. in, in, with your knowledge as always. But the Parliament goes to recess on the 20th of December. Is is it almost definitely? Well, I mean, I'm not going to. Yep. I know you can't promise anything. None of us should promise anything at the moment. But till 20th of December till 7th of January, can we all ignore the news, <laughs> the political news? Yes, yes, you can. Um, there <laughs> will be stories. Theresa May will probably go and have um, eggnog in Spain um, <laughs> uh, to try and talk to whoever. You know, she's going to carry on her tour her tour of EU countries and then because she really 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 needs to make a chat change um, but yeah there's not much going on um, except for the World Darts Championship at Ali Pali which is a must watch that's a good call I, and fingers crossed if she doesn't go on any walks that's what I'm hoping for if she if there's even <laughs> one walk on her holiday plans uh, we, we could be in trouble well, I mean, do you think? I, do, I mean, well, Chin, and what do you want? Do you want an election? Do you want what? Do you, what do you want to have? I, you know, I honestly don't know. I would like some uh, assurance uh, on something, and I think I've also, uh, as much as I'm someone that doesn't like May's deal, I am also starting to think that maybe it is better than some of the other possibilities. It's it's all very complicated because I think at the moment nobody's offering anything I particularly like. And what I'd like is some sort of alien overlord to come down and just take everything over. Uh, and just enslave humanity, and then I won't have to have a, make any decisions. I mean, I can see that. I can see the attraction. The attraction. There. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I remember. That's what I'm coming but the, to. I yeah. mean, this idea of a beneficial dictator. You know, might you know, it's, it's, it's quite alluring sometimes, isn't it? Pragmatic authoritarianism. That's what I'm. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's what I'm all for. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, how weird! How weird to say that out loud. Um, <laughs> and uh and thanks thanks for having this chat with me i wanted to i wanted it's the last one before christmas this podcast oh. i just wanted i wanted somebody that i could trust would come on and explain things clearly um which you have done thank have you got you. someone coming um, on after me then 
It's, <laughs> it's no, it's just me and my shitty jokes. Um, <laughs> just shitty jokes to make people laugh and then think about it and cry. Um, uh, last thing, look, I I know where I can find all your stuff. Uh, Pete, you you've done your last email for the for the Christmas, but where can people subscribe to all your things? Uh, best place to start is on Facebook, uh, which is we Simple Politics UK on Facebook, um, and then there is Twitter where we are at Easy Politics uh, UK um, there because Simple Politics UK was too long. Um, so that's annoying uh, but yeah if you, our social media oh and then Simple Politics on Instagram and on on the Facebook on, if you visit our Facebook page it gives you a link to sign up to um, our email let, let me just read out to you someone so I, I, my email went out this morning and uh, someone who remained anonymous set a reply to the email and said your emails are one of the highlights of my week um, so it's pretty not not having a great week. Um, <laughs> oh, it's there. true. They're very good. They're very good, and you've got loads of good merch. Should people want to get any uh, politics-based merch for their uh, Christmas arguments that they're going to have over the family table? Uh, you know, your, uh, we, we, yeah, we have we have good. card games, and I'm really really proud of our card games. The upfront card games are actually really good fun. So yeah, please do, please do check out the shop, which is just at Shopify. So if you put Shopify Simple Politics into your search engine. Um, no endorsement of any particular search engine for me. Um, <laughs> so diplomatic. Well, you know, I don't want to. Don't want to be accused of uh, being on the Google dollar. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Tatton. I particularly like the Steve Jobs bit. That's a highlight. And I also really want to now call this week's episode, or next week's episode, Eggnog in Spain. I think that's going to be the title of the episode, uh, which is uh, really good. I think eggnog in a hot country is just the most disgusting... It sounds horrible, doesn't it? Well, it'd be like drinking an omelette. It'd be really horrible. It'd just be be awful. (laughs) At least it might be a Spanish... Would it be a Spanish eggnog? Would you get, like, a Spanish omelette, but in a drink? (laughs) What, with extra potatoes and, 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 and peppers? Yes, yes. It'd make that drink even more appetizing on a lovely Christmas day. <laughs> Big thank you to Tatton for that chat. Um, I wasn't really sure who else I could get to the last show before Christmas. Um, I originally was asking for something sort of fun like we had Craftivist last year, but it's it's been so crazy that I just thought best thing to do was get my pal on who is so good at clearly explaining politics. Uh, Simple Politics is an absolute godsend of a website if you need clear explanations of it all. I use it loads for this show along with the uh, weekly mailing list mail out. Um, I regularly check it before I speak about things on here. Um, you can find the website Website on simplepolitics.co.uk and sign up to the mailing list on there. Uh, it's also on Facebook at Simple Politics and on Twitter at Easy Politics UK. Um, the Simple Politics card games can also be found at simple-politics.myshopify.com uh, and they are well worth it to at least make those family Christmas arguments informed and competitive all at once. The kids' politics show I do with Tatton is kicking off again in February with a load of dates I'm going to let you know more about next year. You're not going to have a choice. I will be bothering you about it almost every week. So um, that is it for this year. But of course, I'm going to be needing guests for next year's shows. So if you have anyone that you'd like me to interview or any subjects you'd like me to interview someone about, assuming we aren't just forever stuck in a Brexit haze like, like Dante's secret eighth circle of hell reserved just for us, then please let me know via at Bro on Twitter, the Partly Political Broadcast Facebook group, the contact page on partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk or by emailing me at partlypoliticalbroadcast at gmail.com. 
Or you could fill your Christmas list to Santa with all your recommended guests and then feel both bewildered and disappointed as on Christmas morning you wake up to find several crumpled campaigners and academics thrown at the base of your tree while I'm still none the wiser and so don't interview them and you're stuck with unwanted extra dinner eaters and now you've got no roast potatoes left. As always, it's probably just best to email. And that's all for this week's and this year's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. Um, as I mentioned before, there will be some bonus bits and pieces for subscribers, so make sure that if you're not one of those, that you become one of those and sort all that out. Um, but otherwise, no full episodes till January the 14th. I'm going to do me some sleeping and eating and drinking. Um, thank you so much for listening uh, for the past year or even years. Uh, it's genuinely appreciated that anyone wants to tune into my weekly um, sort of brain vomits on this. I swear I have to do this, otherwise I'd shout at people in the park. Thank you for joining me for all this nonsense for 2018 god knows what next year is gonna be like what's it gonna be like will there be any rest um please don't forget to review donate generally just spread the word about the show why not do it at christmas dinner when you're arguing with your family about brexit just throw in in the middle of it all well if you all listen to parpol bro maybe you wouldn't be such stupid ignorant idiots and then as your children are crying grab their phones that they shouldn't have at their age and subscribe to the show brilliant great plan thanks in advance big thankings to acast for popping this noise present in its sack full of pod goodies uh, to my brother the last sceptic for all the jingle beats and seriously don't forget to check out his podcast thanks for trying his guest on the Christmas Eve show really is exciting and to Cat Dave for another whole year of typing up linear liner notes like an absolute champ uh, you can find her and her excellent science and fact blog at Chronicle Flask on Twitter this will be back next year when everyone in the government takes confidence building classes and scraps all no confidence motions in place of a variety show where everyone does their favourite musical or performance number Theresa May chooses to dance and then they all feel sad and have to table a no confidence vote again. Have a lovely Christmas and some snappy new gear. Bye! This week's show is brought to you by the European Research Group's Book of European Research, full of fun facts that we've made up because the thought of crossing water actually terrifies us. Did you know France is actually on the underside of Spain? Did you know that the Dutch word for thanks is written only in emojis? Did you know Germans? Plus, some of those big Brexit questions answered. How to solve the Irish border problem. Simple, just pretend Northern Ireland isn't there anymore and close your eyes and put your fingers in your ears when it's mentioned. The European Research Group's Book of European Research, available in just one language on a stall in a village hall on a Sunday in June. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.